from the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors. It kills me not to know this, but I've all but just forgotten what the color of her eyes were. And her scars or how she got them has the telling signs of age rain down. A single tear is dropping through the valleys of an aging face that this world has forgotten. I don't think that song's a yeehaw kind of a song there, buddy. It is a yeehaw if you want a yeehaw to it. Yeehaw! Yeah. Okay. Yeehaw, it's hour number three of the Big and Wild Outdoors. Bring Gun, Vance Noble, Bill George, and Slick. In case you missed the previous two hours of show, you know you can always go to bigandwild.com and check out past shows, all that kind of good stuff, and... Listen to it on your way to work tomorrow or uh, Monday through whatever, and then uh, re-up it and listen to it all over again like they do out in California. I tell you what, we got a big march coming up. March, you know I, I was march Madness? No, on the show. You know how we were talking earlier how we partnered up with Carbon TV? Yeah, well, March is going to be a huge because not only is it uh, Bill George will incrementally be here every once in a while because <laughs> it's going to be in the thrones of turkey season. Right, Bill? Deep in the throne. Yeah, see, Deep. and uh, but in also the hollows. Uh, um, but then, of course, you've been working your little fanny off this past week with uh, the uh, very talented and beautiful Julie McQueen of um, Carbon TV. Yeah. Yep, and uh, she's done us a solid helping out to um, get a bunch of interviews set up for this. So far, up. I got I have one booked for every Saturday. That'll be fun. In March, yeah. That'll be fun. And uh, you said one of the first ones was some fishing dude or something. Um, his name is Greg. He's actually up in Pennsylvania. Pe- yeah. Pennsylvania. Oh. Pennsylvania. East or west? Do they, what do they know east about? East or west? Yeah, he's in Pennsylvania, Bill. I don't know. Is there an east <laughs> or west? Is there a difference? Yes. Oh yes, Philly versus. Yeah, I don't think he's on the Philly side, so we're good. Well, that would be closer to water, wouldn't it? I don't know. He's from Pennsylvania, so anyways. What do they catch in Pennsylvania? <laughs> They catch like what? Walleye? Oh yeah, depending on what part. Saltwater fishing, you I'm sure you get a lot, but yeah. Saltwater fishing? In Pennsylvania? Uh yeah. <laughs> Where? Where? Go look. Saltwater fishing in Pennsylvania. Unless you go to New Jersey. I'm getting an education right now because I want to know where you're getting uh Well you get it goes right down there to a little corner, right? Pennsylvania. To Jersey, I can see Bill know. George. You, you're an FWC guy, and there is no salt water near Pennsylvania. No. I'm, where, uh, where am I seeing salt the water? The only salt water he would get be by Maryland and Lake, Baltimore. You got Lake yeah. Erie. They gave him well, a, that's a portion of Lake what's, Erie. What's on the lower right hand corner? Uh, Baltimore, New Jersey, and Delaware. Okay. Yeah, you got yeah, Allen. You, you have go to go all there. the way through Allentown to get to Newark before you can hit Saltwater. Well, I guess or I'll you go look. through Harrisburg to go down to Maryland. The river goes out there. I can see. I can see what he's saying. You know, if you're on the eastern side of Pennsylvania, right, it's probably an hour drive or so. How long does it take to get across? Uh, but then New you're Jersey? No, but you're no longer in Pennsylvania. That was no, the right. That's, that's, There's we'll no saltwater. There's no saltwater we'll fishing in Pennsylvania. About. How, what are you going to talk about there, bright boy? Know. Look at the map. We were looking at the map <laughs> right now. No, well, I'm saying we'll see what he talks about. Yeah. If he talks about saltwater fish, I'm going to laugh. Me too. 
Dude, the only thing I can see is is Philly, uh, uh, maybe, uh, we'll maybe on the coast we'll of the see. coast of Philadelphia. But other we'll than see. that, that's it. We'll see. You know what? But this you have to go on the Jersey side to get. Well, not really. There's what was it? Wilmington. Well, yeah, Wilmington's down there, but that you're gonna get that. It looks like it's too deep up in there. You're probably gonna get more brackish right around. Right, yeah, because of the river. It's so, where you run out of, not where you. I mean, the only thing I can see is Baltimore, Newark, and Newcastle, New Jersey. You got to think of it this way. It's almost like living here in Florida. If you're in the central part of the state, you want fresh water, you want that big, you go to Okeechobee. And if you go to the other direction, either side, you run into salt water. So I guess it's all good. Okay, I'll be curious well, to talk. I'm, I'm going to ask I'm him. I'm curious, too. I'm going to we'll flat out ask him who he talked to. I'm saying, no, I don't salt water fish in Pennsylvania. No, I don't laugh. even want him near us because all he's going to do is start a fight. No, uh, so his, <laughs> his name is Greg, and, he has, and all these guys have shows on Carbon TV. Right. Which is kind of cool because we get to di- hear different regions yeah. and different people that are doing their thing. You know, it's it's just I'm excited. I know. For I, it. I can't wait. I love I love the fact of going out there and seeing and and this show does want to turn around. We've we've had. I I remember back when I started listening. One of the big conversations was about the the whole uh, fish artificial, not really artificial fish attraction, but it was about putting minnows in a glass jar. Glenn, Glenn was talking about putting minnows in a glass jar. I brought that <laughs> up. It, it, well, I remember y'all talking about it, it and hanging it over the side of the boat and the fish being attracted to the minnows swimming in the glass jar. God, that was a long time. I remember that, too. That was a long time ago. Well, the, the, time the, ago. the thing that blew me away about that whole conversation during the show is it was I found it as a suggestion on the internet it was an old school trick, and uh, where they would take in case you don't know you would take a one gallon pickle uh, jar, uh, put a bunch of minnows inside of it, poke some holes in the top of it, tie a rope around it, and hang it underneath your boat as a ball of minnows that would attract crappie, and they would come up from underneath. And I thought. <laughs> Wow, this actually would it work, or is this just like some crazy thing or old school? A guy called the show who had never called the show before. I think he was eighty something years old, and he said, "My grandfather taught me that trick when I was a kid." And he goes, "I will tell you right now that it works." So you did it? No, I he did it. No, he did it, and he used to use it all the time. And he said, "I don't know if it's because the fish are in that jar." And when the crappie come up and start banging on that jar, the fish produce a, a, a pheromone or a hormone yeah. or something that you know creates fear and flight or whatever it is. And once it leaks out the holes, all the other crappie pick up on it and they all merge in there like you know it's like a giant bait ball. Did you see all the you know <laughs> sailfish you know running through and stuff? All I can think of is that commercial with the Angry Birds hitting the window. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, he said, you know, a smart guy would put that thing underneath a, a big bobber off to the side of the boat. And when you see that bobber start getting moved around, you knew the crappie were already there and they were banging on the jar, moving it around. That's when you put on a minute, throw it out there, and bam, it wouldn't take but a well, half a second. We got a guy on the line who knows all about uh, crappie fishing and squirrel hunting, so let's get him on the line. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I want to hear about this winning uh, bet here from him. I want to know what happened to the squirrels. The squirrels? I, it's in his <laughs> belly. Carlos, good morning, my friend, the Cuban Redneck. Yo, what's up, what's up, guys? Good morning, sir. Yo. Your BS this morning. Yo, what's up, what's up? <laughs> Yo, man, what's I heard you, uh, you almost, you, you took, hey, you took out Toby. 
Yeah, yeah, that got a little lucky. Got a gentleman's bet out of him. I'll, I'll have to save it because I'll probably have to give it back to him next year. But you know, it's but, the uh, it's the pass yeah. around dollar. It's all good. Well, it, yeah, beat beat another good guy, Ian Nance too. He was there with his kids and and grandpa. They they, they took the kids out. They all did well. We all came in uh, top thirty. So what happened to the know? squirrels? They they. Carlos did what Carlos does best. He put him in his belly. No. no. Left him in your truck for three he, days? He, he turned around and said, uh, Bill, uh, those are your squirrels. <laughs> oh, is that what he did? I yeah. Said, I no. said, don't forget them in the truck this time. You know, I can't blame me. Well, I got I to know. Now, was this a true team effort? Did, uh, like, uh, two of your big fat squirrels and two of your big fat squirrels? It, uh, it, it, Carlos, Carlos took the brunt of everything. Oh, good. And, and I, 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 took, I didn't shoot any small squirrels. If not, I would have had more. I didn't waste the time because then they run away for about 10, 15 minutes. So I was shooting what I thought was close to a pound, and I actually was pretty accurate. I, I did pretty good. I, I shot one over, I think it was uh, over a pound, 1.1 ounce, and I shot one that was 15, 11, or 12. It was close. So... Well, I wasn't shooting small ones. Well, Carlos, but, next uh, year. Bill's like, Bill's like, shoot them all. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But no. uh, next year it's going to take uh, probably every one of them being over a pound. As this year the the combined weight of five squirrels was five pounds something uh, as the winner. So it's it, it's going to take a bit. We we got to step up our it, game. It kind of sounds like Carlos carried the team on his back. Yeah, Carlos did, well, but I, so I, I did the, the show. <clears throat> I got the weights right here. The first first place was five five pounds, 1.85 ounces. And the second place was five pounds, 1.34 ounces. And third place was five pounds, 0.82. And we ended up with uh, four pounds, 11.46. Wow. Now, I didn't shoot, you know, we didn't shoot them with <clears throat> shotguns. We shot them with 22s, so. I think the shotgun leaves some shot inside of them, and all that weight adds up. You know? <laughs> uh, well, and that's that was my point was, you know, when you shoot them with a twenty-two, especially something that's a hyper velocity, you're losing weight every time you knock off, uh, you know, half its head or something like well, that. I mean, that, and I turn around, or yeah, we we lost some weight there, but I will say this: Why wow, were you out we, there with the three hundred wind man? We, no, we 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 had a great time. The awesome. the real the real perk was just being able to see all those kids out there and enjoying themselves. It was a wonderful event. All smiles. It, all it just smiles. yes, it it just was incredible watching those kids come in and how proud they were of going out there and hunting squirrels. And it, it just was a great time. I, it was a I, good family day. Where, you know, we've seen a lot of grandparents and you know aunts and uncles and 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 parents. I mean, and cousins. I mean, it was. It was a great day. It was like 150 kids, man. That's and awesome. Bill's, Bill's right. After like 45 minutes to an hour of uh, raffles, uh, he, I left right after he left. I went and said goodbye <laughs> to a couple of people, and I left too as well. I don't know what the big squirrel weighed, but I'm sure it was uh, a pound and a couple of ounces. But this, this thing was within a couple hundredths of an ounce. Was between first and second place and third. But, but and, and that's a that's a that's a bear, that's a BB from the shotgun. But, <laughs> but I, really, 
but I can tell you what probably helped us the most is the great scale that we took out there, weighing every squirrel, knowing that we didn't, you know, put a, a lesser weight squirrel in the pot and making sure double check those last couple with that, that, what do you call that it? What that? Yeah, the, col- the culling beam. The yeah, culling those, beam. Uh, weight watchers. So <laughs> bought a Weight Watchers scale, which was awesome. And then I had a culling beam, so I knew which five to separate. So it was it was uh, a little bit more effective, let's just say. Yeah. You know? uh, by the way, the heaviest squirrel, I went and looked on Michelle's page. It said the heaviest squirrel side pot winner was Mike Bick and Kevin Gonzalez with one pound... 2.50 ounces. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it was a pound and a half. Or he was a, he's a big, fat boy right there. Good-looking yeah, squirrel. Cool. I, I, it looked like a red squirrel mix to me. He's got I don't know. That, yeah. that just tells me we, we, we have room for improvement. Uh, well, we well, didn't even you, make it like out of the walnuts. parking lot, and we were already <laughs> they looking. They don't like walnuts. Yeah, <laughs> they don't like. Them. I bought walnuts and they don't like them. You gotta I heard get, some guys were putting Reese's pieces. I heard all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, it's you know, M and M's and Jolly Ranchers next year. Yeah, that's it. Listen, <laughs> I think what we're going to do is we're going to just take a, gar- a, a, a garbage can out there with one of those lids, let them chew through it, and so just the squirrels get in and out, and we'll just have a whole whole container of feed out there, and they just can come in and out of that. That garbage can. Actually, you should put some whey whey protein shake in the in the garbage can a little bit, (laughs) or some weight gainer. Get them get them a little more muscled up. Well, I'll tell you, you know, they they didn't get to eat that day because I had I was watching eight turkeys and they they literally cleaned up everything that came out of that feeder. They hoovered the whole place up. There was four jakes, a gobbler, and three hens in the perimeter, and I, I probably should have flushed them out of there. Um, but I didn't want them to know I was there, so you know, I, I maybe next year it'll be a different approach. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, Carlos. We'll see, but you know, Carlos, we don't tell everybody right before turkey season that we have turkeys showing up at a particular place. Yeah, just, there should have been just a say sh- it. Yeah. People don't. People don't know. People don't know. They don't know where we are. Oh yeah, that okay. is true. He does. The location. You don't think so. now, hey, uh, are you? I, I did. I did want to mention something before I forget. Bill. Bill neglected to mention it. The next FWC meeting, I think, on the Thursday, on the agenda is going to be. They're going to go over the trapping laws, and the trapping laws here in Florida are antiquated. The, there's no in between. It's it's either a live trap, or a snare. There's no in-between. A snare kills everything, whether it's a gray fox, a red fox, a panther, a, a, a fox squirrel, it doesn't matter, a cat, dog. And then you have the other part of the spectrum, a live trap, which you can release something. They don't allow dog proofs, which exactly what the name <clears throat> entails. A dog or a cat in a ranch or a farm uh, or a neighborhood cannot um, put their hands in there, only a raccoon, a possum, and a skunk. Yeah. They're also going to go over if we could use coil spring traps. The traps of today are not like the traps back in the day. These traps don't hurt the animals. And I think uh, if there's any trappers out listening to the show today or interested in trapping or their, their family used to trap, I think they need to get involved because, you know, that's going to be a big, big thing. Right now there's no market for it. What? But – we, we need to take care of the critters. We need to manage, you know, your properties. Well, Carl, you're going to be with us next weekend, right? 
You coming in? Yeah. yeah. Let's let's talk about this more next week, and I want to do some. I, I want to get some research done on that and see if we can find some trappers to bring yeah. on the show. Well, and, I think well, that I already I already reached out to a guy in Illinois from Coon Creek Outdoors. I sent him a message yesterday. Hopefully, he can call in. The guy has a YouTube channel. It's it's an awesome channel. He's not full of himself. You know, he just. He just goes out there. He loves doing it. That's what he does. That's cool. And he's very proficient at it. So I'm hoping he'll call in. Obviously, the laws are different in every state, but right. we're one of the only states that don't allow those um, new tools. Well, to be Carlos, Carlos, uh, it's not officially on the agenda, but you can talk about it under public comments. So yeah, that's what I plan to do. That I'm going to try to attend. If work doesn't bog me down that Thursday, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive out there and well, see if I could at least mention it carlos they're 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 trying to work on a movement of getting people to wear (laughs) hawaiian shirts that you can have it draped over your shoulder you do not actually have to have it on you can wear it as a turban man i I don't own a hawaiian shirt bill Bill will buy you one i'll leave one for you but uh might not fit (laughs) that's i said you can wear it as a turban (laughs) all right man we'll see you next saturday bud you can get anything right, you want at Alice's Restaurant. <laughs> Have a good weekend, no, Carlos. Right, we got to take no. a quick break. See you, Carlos. Hey, social media is a beautiful thing. I got people listening, so I wanted to shout out to Kathy out in Palm Harbor. Thanks for listening to the show. Hi, Kathy. Hey, Kathy. Good morning. I hope you're having a good day. Let's get outside What's and get What's she going to do today? I don't know. Uh, we can find out. Okay, yeah. sure. I don't fine. know. All right, Kathy. Beautiful day outside. All right, bye. There you go. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Bring Gun, Vince Noble, Bill George, and Slick hanging out with you this morning. Ah, it's going to be a beautiful day to get out and do some fishing, especially with the front pushing through, man. This is going to be oh. a good time to get out there and get on it. I, we have, if you do saltwater fishing and, and you deal with tides right now, you're going to have, coming up on a new moon, you're going to have some really good, yeah, man. strong tides. It's, um, it's going to be a good day. you got a front coming in. It, it, it's just we're going to have a couple really, really nice days. Here. If you can get out there, you can be one of the lucky folks who gets out there and catches the one or two trout that are left and maybe three or four snow. <laughs> hey, and, uh, hey, there are people no, now who are back on that story, you know, right here before the commission meeting, how bad the trout and everything are. Oh, yeah. There's they're only d- two trout left, three redfish, it, and one snook. It's yeah. good luck. Good luck. It's not that we don't have any trout. We're just not seeing them in our historical places. They're not where they used to be, and we're concerned because they move. Are you a shareholder? Yes. I'm a stakeholder. He's a stakeholder. Not a shareholder. Well, whatever they, whatever they, whatever they are. <laughs> apparently, apparently buddy, anybody who lives on this globe is a stakeholder in the state of Florida. So why is it my word being taken seriously? Well, because uh, you're, my, you're my not pockets as, aren't deep. You're not in <laughs> tune to the pipeline. You're not okay. a, you're not as staky as a stakeholder. I'm not in the good old boy club. That's what it is. As, you're not as staky as you think you are. You're just I'm, I'm the Don. Let's get you, it right. You, yeah. Your I'm, thought I'm, process kind of goes across like the water across the Everglades, just slow and <laughs> nobody really sees it moving. And then you got other people who have the canal that is built and 
blowing water out our east and west coast. I can make waves. Don't you know who I am? Yeah, I see. I know you can make some waves. Trust me, if you you ever want to get me uh, upset, just that whole stakeholder uh, mentality uh, that a person who lives in uh, Wiesbaden, Germany, has as much right uh, to voice their opinion on the state of Florida as I do just drives me insane. Keep this in mind. It drives me nuts. The anti-hunting crowd and the people who want to take and and not let you do some of these natural things they'll take their kids out of school they'll do this they'll put their kids up in front of a podium and you know i i think it's important for kids to go and start understanding this if you want to take your kid out for a day and go to one of these fwc commission meetings and let them see how how this process works and make comments of how they would like to be able to catch fish and do things and you know how important it is for them to go out um, it, it's 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 good well i you know there was a story that came out uh i guess at the beginning of the week or so about the weekend he really started hitting it was uh, uh the sheriff over here in pinellas county bob galtieri um was standing there uh, in all of his glory and his his painted on eyebrows talking about um <laughs> You know, his big event where he was going to be removing all these derelict uh, vessels within the intercoastal and within the bayways of certain areas of Pinellas County. And I, I heard mentioned in the, the news report that the FW, with involvement with the FWC and a partnership with the FWC, and I said, well, why would the Pinellas County Sheriff have to be involved in that whatsoever? Why is this an FWC uh, slash Coast Guard type uh event why is the fwc not front and center on this and the Pinellas county well, sheriff is well i will tell you i i really i'm amazed at the agency sometimes they where they have opportunity to really talk about good things they do they, miss they don't they, they miss don't it. they don't tout their own horn they're they're out there just doing the job that they're tasked to do derelict vessels it's 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 Sometimes I think a little bit more challenging than people think because somebody may say, no, I, I still want to, I'm still going to try and salvage that. I'm still going to try and get it. Or you have to turn around and basically go through this long process to, to declare it derelict, to take away their rights, to be able to put it on a list to get done. Then there's only so much funding that can be used to do so much in a certain given year. It's it's crazy. But here, here's my point, though. Why does it have to take so long for these boats? I mean, these people are, are being irresponsible, number one. Number two, it's a danger because what if these boats break free of whatever line they're tagged or whatever anchor they're on or whatever they're you know docked up to, that boat breaks free, and now it's floating around, and, and you have an opportunity now to hit it or if parts break off. I mean, for example, especially going to, like a hurricane, it can right, be bouncing off 85 right. people's docks along the way. You got that, and then get that boat like Bay Pines. If you go to Bay Pines right here in St. Pete, and you go over yep. that bridge. There's been an abandoned boat right there. Oh, it's been there for, for over a year, two at years. Least. But yeah. why is it there? But the thing is, how you declare it abandoned, and how, what process you have to do to try and determine an owner. If that boat doesn't move for three months, it's half sunk. It's abandoned. Well, I think no, by no, law, there's, there's a bigger, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more oh, to there it, is. and and there's a lot you got to understand, but. FWC did try and put some rules in place to declare what a boat had to be in order to be defined as derelict. 
and there it has to be able to be moved and put under propulsion and be able to navigate so far, turn around and come back. I, I laugh at it because your their intention was good, but if you turn around and you take that cruise ship that's over here at at the dock, they can't pass. They can't pass FWC's derelict vessel test because those ships just don't move that quick and on that much. They don't just run over here and then run back so far. That's not how they do. Well, I got more to talk about this after the break. You have to be able to do that within a certain period of time. And so I would But it shouldn't be a long period of time because if your car's broke down on the side of the road, they put a little red sticker on it, and you got 48 hours to move that car. Well, if not, it's gone. The, they do the same thing on this, but we'll get into it when we come back from break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by Brandon Ford. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Got a little fast cast for you. It's going to be a beautiful Saturday. Get out there and enjoy it for sure. Again, if you're going to do some fishing or you've been thinking about it, I would get out fresh salt, whatever it is, and go do it quickly today. It's going to be a good day for it. Beautiful skies out the window right now. And we do have a little bit of a front that's going to be pushing through to bring us some cooler temperatures, which is always a nice thing we'll to be have. wonderful at the Wild Game Cookout this afternoon. It will be an awesome day to be out there for that. It is the Wild Game Cookout out there at the Countryside Baptist Church. Uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about Bob Galtieri, the FWC, and everybody in their derelict uh, boat cleanup that's going to be happening out there on the... Uh, waterways of the intracoastal and hopefully within a few of the back bay areas as well where folks have decided to uh, move back there now there are some people i mean if you go down to um uh let's say you go to the getaway right there if you go by the back by the dock by the getaway there's a little cove back there and there's a bunch of sailboats and stuff parked back there and people are living on board those boats you go around the corner. But and those aren't derelict boats, though. Those are actually active I mean, boats. I, 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 I look at them and I'm like, Ish. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they. If a hurricane came tomorrow, would they be able to get out of the way? No. Probably not. Um, then you go around the corner. You go a little bit more around the corner, and there's a few more boats back in there. If you go look at Google Earth, there's some boats that are back there so damn far that I don't know how they got in there into those mangroves and places back there in the back where I don't know if they move or not. They got lucky, got back there in a high tide, and that's where they stayed. Yeah, super high tide, and they're like, "Uh, this is where I'm going to stay, and this will be it. But the amount of derelict boats, I think for the vast majority of people who own a boat, at least over here on the West Coast, uh, on the Pinellas County Coast, they don't go to the places where we see a lot of them. And... um, if you go in the backwoods and you go back down the back canals and stuff like that, you'll start to see them. And you're like, wow, there's a lot more of them than I thought there were. There's a ton. And I guess because I don't go that far north at the intercoastal around Dunedin and all that area there, that apparently it's rampant up in that area. Dunedin, uh, Anclote, all, all, all up throughout. All the way up to Crystal River. All it's, it's Apollo crazy. Beach, yeah. Clearwater's actually. Clearwater's got a bunch of them, like yep. right around the harbors and stuff like that. There's a bunch of them. 
And it's sad because you know, here here lies the problem. Now, with these are these derelict, derelict boats you're talking about, or these are people who live on them and they're just uh, no, they're just left uh, boats. So, above. do you know that you, you? It's actually very cheap to get a, any of these boats right now. Like any ones that aren't sunk in the harbor, many of these guys, if you go to these harbors, uh, some people just are tired of paying dock fees and they'll give it to you for free. Anything that's not even sunk. There's so many boats that are just sitting there unmanned. Uh, all, all throughout. We've pulled a lot of them when I was doing salvage work a couple of years ago right out of these harbors. Well, I know that, you know, dock fees the way they are because it's limited space. There's not a lot of places where you can go anymore. And, you know, people moving down here want to live the Florida dream or whatever. And they think, well, we'll just buy a boat and live on that. And dude, Which for is what, very cheap. What, yeah, but for what, you're, for what you're paying for in dock fees and taxes and everything else especially if you're down in uh, st pete harbor somewhere around there you could probably go get a, an apartment for that kind of money so uh, i know no, no. no. your pet your dock <laughs> fees uh dated a chick down here in uh, st pete harbor for a little while she lived on a boat and i think she was paying like 300 bucks a month the she had a little MiFi Wi-Fi adapter that she would get, and I think her power altogether. Well, it also depends on the size of the boat too. I mean, the, the bigger the boat, the bigger your dock fee is going to be. Depends. Too. I think it just depends upon the dock. I've never really asked about dock fees, but it, I think she paid a total of like six hundred bucks a month just to live here in St. Pete and had everything she needed. Yeah, living like Sonny Crockett man down there on the old <laughs> sailboat. But but the ones that are out there floating around, I know that. Um, uh, where you guys live up there, I walked. We walked down the hill towards what is that bridge? That's the Bel Air Causeway, yeah. and we walked down there, and we we're looking. There's a few boats that are parked out the, the on the right there. hand yeah. side. They're on the north side of the bridge there, and I was like, I was talking to Bart, and I was like, dude, are there people living on there? And he's like, the ones that have lights on are people living there. The other ones, they're just there. There's a couple out there. They just, just left them there. They just left them there, or they, you know. They may move every once in a while or something like that. So I don't know if those are, like you said, slick, where they're just they're tired of paying the dock fees for something they don't use anymore, and they're just going to leave it out there well, until they decide what they're going to do with it. You and know? Here's, here's a couple of problems. One, just the danger. Like we said, if they break free and then now they're just floating around, yeah, banging into whatever. Guarantee they ain't changed those lines on those anchors. Right. So you know they're going to they're gonna fray and just gone. Two, they become an eyesore because, you know, the birds crap all over them. They start dry rotting. They start falling apart. Now you got all that garbage going in the ground. Then the third part of that is if somebody, if let's say somebody wants to sell that boat, it makes it harder for guys who, like, like I just partnered up with WTM Yachts. And now we're going to be, we have two offices, one in uh, North Carolina at the Outer Banks and now in Bel Air. So we have two offices now, so I can actually start selling boats. Mm-hmm. The problem, the problem with that is, is if these guys go out and get boats, and they're not registered or not, it makes it harder for us as a broker to sell you a proper boat. So this is why there's now all these licensings that have to go on in order to sell boats. As a private individual, you can sell your boat, mm-hmm. not a problem. Right. But if you want me to do it, I have to be licensed for these reasons. To make sure it's not a derelict boat. Make sure it's not an abandoned boat. Make what sure you, it's a good mean? boat. What do you mean? I don't understand. So if I go and Bill George has left a boat out on the side of the lake for 15 years, he doesn't want anymore, and if I go a, and I get it, and he goes, you can have it, you can go take as it. As long man. as you're titled over to it. Oh. It's so just like a car. You have to be titled over. You have to have your name on that boat. Okay. I can't sell a boat for you yeah, but if it breaks with his lo- name on it. If it breaks loose and it's out there wandering around, there are salvage rights. There are salvage rights, but you also still have to go through yeah, it, the it, That titling. whole process takes a lot. Like, most of the times when we salvage boats and try to get their titles and stuff like that, 
We ended up just scrapping them. It's quicker to scrap them than it is to try and redo anything. And, and half of them, they're, they're garbage anyways. The, you're making more money off the parts. Well, That's exactly what we're trying to do. Well, that leads to my other question. What are they going to do with these boats? What's the sheriff's department all going to do with them once they get them? Is that going to turn into landfill? or Either they're going to make a coral reef out of it or no, they're, they're going to make or a coral destroy reef. Them. It's coming out. It's going in a dump. So, well, okay, should, so now actually. we're filling the dumps up. Let, let the I honestly let this let the salvagers have for, uh, first pick because we can go in, we can right. find the parts that we want, and then we're going to take them to the dump anyway. I don't. I, we used to dump boats uh, twice a week. We had like a dump schedule, and that's all my day spent up was we, boats. Yep, yeah, just dumping boat, taking the. We had already sliced them down the hall, uh, middle. We had cut, yeah, because you have to cut them in half. There's so much you have to do to them. And that was there was two days out of the week that you we gotta did. remove the fuel tank, make everything. sure there's no oils, make sure there's no gas. Uh, it's a pain. The lines, everything. The electrical so, yeah, but lines. I mean, there's a lot of valuable stuff. I mean, if you oh, take a sailboat, yeah. you, your you winches, take a sailboat. I mean, sails. Just the what? You got 500 pounds of lead down in a keel alone. I mean, yep. is is worth money. So. Yeah. Um, like I said, your winches, your sails. If there's any teak on there, the teak, oh, yeah, yeah, teak, teak doors, that. that's that's the key. that's some big money. Um, life, uh, life preservers, things like that. There's small parts that actually make a lot of money because people are trying to replace parts. Winches, like I said, I cannot, I cannot see winches right now. <laughs> Those things make a lot of money in the sails. Sails are big money. Engines, I mean, if it has a Yanmar, depending or on what it, it is. But yeah. yeah, when you salvage that though, you have to take all that stuff out because it's just. Garbage. You have to get rid of it. You cannot well, just. Uh, well, yeah, I, I we have hope, to follow. Hope, hopefully, the people who are actually doing the removals are those salvage companies that are actually going to use those parts as much as they can. And uh, but I will say that I think it's you know when I was a kid, my first boat that I had was a salvage that I'd gotten out in the middle of Mangroves. I've told you the story where yeah. there were a bunch of boats back there, and the FWC later investigated it to make sure that it wasn't. Uh, insurance fraud that people weren't reporting boats that were stolen and then all of a sudden they were you know dumped out in the middle of the hence mangroves. why you need a license now if yeah. to be a broker yeah so that uh you know my first boat didn't have any numbers on it anything like that and i i mean i took me an entire day to bail that sucker out man it was uh you know it was one that i kept it was basically just the hull yeah and right. stripped everything else off of it but I, as a kid growing up, I used to see boats all the time, and if they were derelict of any time, they didn't seem to stay there very long. And it was always because sooner or later it was going to turn into a hazard. So yes. it's best to remove it now than to wait till it gets loose in a hurricane, drifts out into the ship channel, or blocks uh, the entrance to uh, shore acres or something like that. And now they don't seem to do yeah, that. you got to remember, there. Yeah, you hear all the stories about the chop shops on cars. There's chop shops for boats too, yep. man, and I'm telling. And this is why the rules have changed, and this is why you you want to go to a, a reputable broker or somebody who's going to sell you a boat because you want to make sure that you've got all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed. And if you don't know, you got to find out because of those reasons right there. Well, now, Bill, you were saying that these people they do get notices, right? Do they get it, notices from the FWC or from the sheriff's department? There, there's I guess a both? whole investigation. It's not. You just don't declare something derelict, and there's a whole process where you have to try to identify the owner. You have to go out there, and if you do identify the owner, you have to give them notices. They got, it is not a just turnkey operation because no. you have to basically work to remove their rights and declare it derelict and go through all the legal process. 
more lawyers make money than the salvagers. And it's a shame because it takes too long. I mean, it's a a long, drawn-out process, and it shouldn't. I mean, you should not have a boat sit there for a year. Yeah, but do you want somebody just to be able to go in and say, hey, your your boat's derelict because it hasn't... If I got to notice... No, 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 no. It hasn't been um, propelled in the water in over a year. In over a year? Then it's my responsibility to make sure that boat moves. But just like everything but, else that we do. But, but if, if somebody's like, just using it to live on, they don't care about it moving. Yeah, or the fact that it's somebody like Slick said that where you get to the point where they just don't care anymore, and they're like, "Dude, right. you're the first person to ever ask me about it. If you want it, take it." But that's that's actually what it is. There's a, if you go on, I, I I've looked for it a couple times on Craigslist, and there are people that are like, "Hey, look, just come by. We'll give you the title and stuff like that." We sit on we sat on so many boats without titles. Because uh, you can't chop them up until you have the title. I can't do anything with them until I have the title legally, and that's that's the issue. So go go to Craigslist. Go go out to the docks. Some of them, uh, so there are notices on some of these docks. Hey, yes. you can call this number for this, you know, and talk to the people. You'd be surprised how many boats you can get. Well, I know that it, uh, on the story, I had to go find a print story about it. They actually do uh, tape some notices on there where they have 21 days that to be removed in 21 days unless the owner appeals it. And that 21-day period has uh, passed, and if it goes past that, then they go out there and they remove the vehicle. So the thing about it is the cost. They're saying that they estimate the cost of each removal of a boat is around 160 grand To remove one boat? There, is yeah. it, is there it, was wait, one. wait, 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 hold on, hold that on. That sounds a little far-fetched, That's right? far-fetched, because what are we doing? If I'm, Am I just picking the boat up from the dock? Am I trying to, am I, is it sunk a little bit? What's going on? Like, you got to understand, when they say average, they're looking at how many vessels did I remove and what have I paid out? No, no, there's, it's the average cost vessel, of one, Bill. There's, yeah. there's a vessel down south that uh, was in the over a million dollars to have removed. Okay, no. Over a million dollars. Are you talking about like a 70 We're talking foot like a boat? yacht. Yeah, right what are you yes, talking about? It, yes, and it was full of asbestos. And so they turned um, around, and when you look I, at the, the what they had to do to remove that vessel, it the cost was crazy. And listen, so that drives your average cost. Yeah, but that's... Hazmat, baby. It's got asbestos in the, it, man. Yeah, but that's... You're talking about niche scenarios. Let, let me tell you, it was about four to five grand to get us to come out and it, an unsunk boat pulling it from, let's say, one... Depending upon how far it is. If we were coming from St. Pete to our... our oh, What do we call that? Our shop area, which wasn't very far, you're looking about three to three to five grand. Yeah. And that's just to pull it. All and, right. And one of the one not of the articles, not one hundred and sixty, people were using, you know, about the five grand per boat notice. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, I'm glad that they're doing it. It's just um, uh, th- there's a lot of them I know down around Bay Pines. Uh, went down there when we went weight fishing yeah, last man, time. We pulled so we pulled a lot of boats from Bay Pines. It's amazing how many are there, and there's some that are floating. I remember we're fishing amongst them. A couple of them are on their sides. Looks like water's getting ready to come right in through the back window. You got all those oyster beds. I mean, like when you're, if you're, let's say, for example, if you're going to the Harbor Master, you have to go under that bridge and around that, but hang tight. We'll talk about that when we come back for break. Okay, fine. What a tease. Where are the big and wild outdoors? Brought to you by Brandon Fawn. Okay.
right. Welcome in. It's uh, Big and Wild Outdoors. Don't forget, hey, tonight, if you need something to do, it's going to be a rocking good time at the uh, Ice Palace slash Emily Am- Arena. Emily Arena. Emily Arena. Remember, Emily Oil, uh-huh. Emily Arena. Yeah. It's been Emily for a long time. Yeah. Brett still Michaels, the Ice Palace to me, bro. Brett Michaels <laughs> is going to be there in a concert tonight, the charity event. All the proceeds go to uh, help our buddy Steve Chamberlain and uh, 50 Legs. Great people. It'll be a good yeah. time had by all. If you're looking to go rock out tonight a little bit with old Brett Michaels yep, and uh, go have some fun, I'm surprised that uh, Vince has not got his front row tickets. Uh, you know, a, he's a I big got, hair I got, band. I am, and I love my hair bands, but I just, I got, I, I am dedicated to my show. To my craft. I am dedicated to my craft. No, no. Well, so you can show your true colors by being the old guy that you are sitting in the front row with your laptop. First editing. off, Sparky, I am not old. <laughs> You're old. I mean, you called it the Ice Palace. <laughs> editing, <laughs> your, uh, editing your show while you're uh, rocking out the Red Michaels like you're sitting in your living room. Look, man, I am dedicated to my craft. You know, and we're talking about the break. You know, we were talking about the abandoned boats and Harbor Master Bay Pines over there. Right. You and I understand why some of these boats get abandoned because if you don't know that water and you go veer to the left or right, you're going to hit those oyster bays. Well, in that area, it's really bad with all the oyster bars, but but uh, you need to know. But if you do, if you do it though, don't leave the boat, man. Figure it out. I mean, it's only cost two hundred dollars. I think a hundred and something bucks a month for sea tow. If you have a boat, you need to have sea tow. If you, um, you got to remember, there's a there's a very large population here in Pinellas County, who will never know what three miles offshore looks like. True. I mean, they're going to be in the intercoastal with Betty and uh, Jacob and everybody that came down from Massachusetts to go sit around and go putt around out in the uh, intercoastal. It's no big deal. They know those waters. They stay between that blue. I mean, that green. Is that blue or green? I don't know. My husband Just stay knows. to the right. Yeah. They stay between the blue and the green, and they'll be fine. It's the ones who don't know who think, oh, well, let's just cut across here real quick and take some time. Well, yep. I'll tell you, if you're, if you're feeling better on Tuesday, come down and hang out at Harbor Master with us. We do our weekly show there now. Uh, yeah, I'll be at work. Oh, ain't that a shame? Yeah. Yeah. You timed that perfectly. You <laughs> but uh, Maybe. I know you guys do that out there on Tuesday, and and uh, of course, out there Bay Pines, they have some very large vessels out there. And but they those do. those people that you know, there's a channel right there, and you know once you go and you make the right hand turn, you're in the intercoastal. You veer off to the right, jog off to the left, and follow them, and you'll go right out John's Pass. So it's no big deal. You gotta come down and see uh, Mr. Travis's new boat. Oh, I'm sure it's a nice one. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Finally got himself a John boat, did he? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit bigger than a John boat. Yeah. Yeah, it'll 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 get him places. Yeah, that's nice. But uh, for those that don't know, I think that the vast majority of people who uh, take the time to spend that kind of money on a boat these days, if they get it stuck up on a sandbar, oyster bar, they're gonna try everything they can to get it off there. They're just not gonna leave it there. It's the ones I. That Bill George would tell you that are you know hiding back away from the world that wants to turn into Hermit Jones back there. And, and there are there are people there. They may take a little dinghy out. They may take a canoe out. They may wade out to these boats. Oh, they do. There there's people who are living on a boat, living large. You know, in their world, they they got very minimalist that they need right. in this world, um, and and they just want to be left alone and. And 
there's a lot of people now in some of these parts of the state, they don't like the looks of these vessels and that, that they've all congregated together. They've made communities. Make ice, yeah. And so now it's, oh, we don't like that in our well, in our view. I just got a text message from Todd in North Carolina, and he said it's not just Florida. You go anywhere up to intercoastal. Anywhere. anywhere that's got and, boats. And he, he's he's telling me on you know via text it's it's ninety eight percent sailboats. Oh yeah. So it, it's a lot of the problem is just these people just don't like you said don't care anymore. Well, sailboats are easier to live aboard. They're easier to move because you don't need gas to get them to go. And for right. the most part, but uh, I see that a lot of those ones they started out being live aboards. And then it gets to a certain point where you can't keep up with the maintenance anymore. These might be people yeah. who do not have uh, steady work, let's say, and so right. it's hard to keep up with the maintenance. You sailboat don't even need, you don't even need steady. You can have steady work. The sailboat maintenance is it's, ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. Your sail tears a little bit. The repair on a sail is expensive. It's like a dirt bike. Once you get one, you're constantly working on, especially if you're using it. Sailboats and are too much like work. They yeah. are work. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, you can get away with taking down the mast and not having to sail. Because, like, if you go park yourself in a bayou, you're going to be all right. Especially for hurricanes, best place to go. Go find your bayou. You're going to be great. That's what my dad used to do. Yeah. yeah so if, if you could take down the sail, you would probably, that would be a lot of your cost right there. Outside of that, you, engine minor engine costs, you're going to get leaks every now and then. You're going to have to patch up. Dry docking's expensive. Like, just honestly, I, I don't see the appeal of it. Everything you got to remember that everything rots on a boat that's sitting out in the, in the sun, twenty four hours a day, yeah. seven days a week in the state of Florida. All that teak that 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 you mentioned, slick, you know, has to be stripped and redone oiled, every year, re oiled. All that stuff it has to be. There's maintenance on your cables. Right. It has to be greased. It has to be done. And uh, you know, my dad, of course, was a live aboard. Uh, lived on his sailboat down there at. Um, uh, Augie Bush's place down there, and he was the uh, harbor master there for the dock there. So, right. um, but whenever a hurricane came, he would go around the corner, go around Bay Pines, and go back up behind uh, Eckerd College back there up by the bridge. Right. So he would get out of the wind and get out of the area and anchor there for a couple of days, and then go back around and go back in. So, well, the be the best part about I mean, if you can afford a dry dock, if you can afford it, that's actually the best thing for your boat because your boat is undercover. It's out of the water. But then you can't live on it. Well, no, but I'm saying if you can afford that's to do what, that. I mean, but you got the, those are yacht clubs and stuff like that, and that's <laughs> actually probably yeah. a lucrative actually business is just yeah. to be a, the kid that, you know, the forklift operator. Yeah, there was a guy down, when we were in Fort Lauderdale, we were going down the river, and this guy bought a big chunk of property, and around his property was water on both sides of his house. He's got docks on either side, and he rents those out to people all around. Not the even area. that. That's if you're smart. the forklift operator at a yacht club, you get paid uh, to go take big, people's boats money. out. Good money, sure, oh. and tips too. Yeah, yeah. Tip, yeah tips. Man. Yo, hey man, I need you to go run this boat for me for but a day. Can you, you imagine the first time you get on that big old forklift and you're pulling out a big old twenty-eight footer or thirty footer, and you're like three hundred thousand uh, dollar boat? Yeah, two two three fifty twins on the back, and you're pulling that out and. You, I'd be nervous. I'd be white knuckling it the whole time. It gets, e it gets easier the more you do it. Please oh, I know. I've done it. It's not fun. I, I, you know, I just, I'm glad to see that somebody was getting involved in the removals of them. But yeah, I just, I wanted to ask Bill George about it because I didn't know what the FWC's role and all this would be, except for maybe the assessments the, and no, they actually have a large, very large role in the process. But like I said, when they do good work that is easy to take good credit for, they don't always 
do it. They should be front and center. And, and they, they should. Really they, should. They, they, there's some things that they do really well. There's some things that eh, we could do a little better on. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll be there to tell them another day, but not this commission meeting. But, you know, don't forget this afternoon we have uh, over there at G5, that turkey event. If you're trying to find turkey hunting stuff, they definitely have a bunch of stuff over there to go look at. Some good calls, custom stuff there. When you get done there, you get hungry. The wild game cookout yeah, over there at the Countryside Baptist Church was, which is at uh, thirteen four twenty two Sydney Road, which is at Sydney and Gallagher Road. That's it. And county. if you want more fun afterwards, you it, come it, over to Pinellas it, County it, and go to the fair or go to the carnival, have some cotton candy and uh, get yeah. some rides. They go to the Red Michael time, Show, but uh, there the it is free. You don't have to pay anything. You can get there, and they they have. Uh, uh, speaker this afternoon, Ronnie. He he'll be there speaking and and uh, sharing some stories uh, uh, there. It's it's very faith based. So, but uh, it's a great time. You just have a good time, and they have that classic car show, and it it is just you can see some beautiful cars. You can have some great food, good time, and uh, just go around and enjoy yourself. And yeah. I gotta say, you know, thanks to a few people that have been listening via social media and on our website. We got Captain Greg's been listening down in Lauderdale, Kathy, Lori, uh, Todd in South Carolina. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning yeah. in and being a part of our show. And uh, we do appreciate you guys. Yeah, well, man. And yeah, come visit. And uh, last week I met up with Ben Copeland. He turned around. He had uh, donated a bunch of stuff to the kids over there at that squirrel event and hooked up with him and took that out there. So it was, I mean, it, we got a lot of people out there doing some really good stuff. And, and, uh, and it's a good day today to go out and go do it, that's for sure. Bill George, Amen enjoy your trip, man. I that's will. Fun. Have Aloha. fun. Aloha to you, my friend. <laughs> bring me See back, you, bro. Bring me back some uh, coconut rum from Hawaii. Uh, no. Ooh, yummy. <laughs> mm. It'll go good with that canned venison. Yeah. Hey, you guys, have a great weekend. We're out of here. See you guys. Have fun. It's going to be nice. Bye-bye. WHFS Sefner, WQYK FM HD2 St. Petersburg, 103.1 W276 CX Newport Ritchie, 92.1 W221 DW Tampa.